An artist once drew a picture of a winter twilight. You know, the trees heavily laden with snow and a dreary dark house, lonely and desolate in the midst of the storm. In all honesty, when you looked at this picture this artist was drawing, it was a very sad picture. But then he picked up a yellow crayon and with a quick stroke, he put a light in one window of that house and the effect was magical. In fact, the entire scene was transformed from a sad, lonely, desolate one into a scene of comfort and cheer. And you know, beloved, the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is such a light in this dark world. It's a light of comfort and cheer. And as we spend the rest of our Sunday mornings together here at Red Hill, we're to be looking at the people and events surrounding the birth of Christ. And I pray that our time together on Sunday mornings will be a time of comfort and cheer. I thought of Albert Norton's words. Perhaps you know them. Perhaps you've sung the song. If not, listen to the words. It says, if Jesus had not come, how dark had been the night. The wise men, sadly dumb, had seen no starry light. The shepherds on the hill had heard no angel song. The bells in silence chill, no joyous peal had rung. But then the chorus comes. But Jesus came. He came to earth. And men beheld his manger birth. The shepherds heard the angels sing. The wise proclaimed him Lord and King. He died, he rose. And by his blood, we too become the sons of God. We preach the gospel in his name. For Jesus came. Yes, Jesus came. We're going to begin our time today looking at verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. If you have your Bible, I'll encourage you to turn there. And you can find Matthew chapter 1. If you'd like, you can also put a ribbon or a marker in Luke chapter 1. I'll be reading some scripture from there as well. We want to look at Mary today, the mother of our Lord and Savior. And we find these words in the Gospel of Matthew, the very first chapter of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1. And it says in verse 18, these words. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. I want to spend some time with Mary this morning. I want us to understand, if we can, uh, some of what this young lady encountered, some of the things that she had to go through. And we're going to just base our discussion around Three sub points under one main point, because I'm going to give you part one of a three part message today. You'll get part one today. You'll get part two next week. God willing, you'll get part three the following week. And then we'll have a standalone message the final Sunday of this year. So you've got to come all these Sundays to get the entire message. But today you're only going to get point one and then three points under that. Are you ready? We're going to talk today about Mary's pregnancy. And I want you to notice three things about her pregnancy. First of all, Mary was promised. You look in verse 18 again. It says, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. When I say promise that is engaged, you probably think in terms of America. And you think about the way that we do things. You know how things go. The couple dates. 
And then after a while, the fellow gets up enough money or he signs the dotted line or he swipes that card and he buys a ring. And then he very nervously arranges this wonderful time where he's going to get down on one knee and propose to hopefully his his bride here and hope that she says yes. And he goes through that and she puts that ring on her finger and she shows it off to all her friends and family and some laugh behind her back at how small it is. Or if he's a rich fella, uh, they might say, man, alive, she's really marrying uh, well. But that couple is engaged and it's a wonderful time in their lives. It's a very special time. But as Ivor Powell reminds us, it should never be forgotten that this story has an eastern setting. Even today, wedding arrangements are vastly different from those found in Western nations. And he talks about his time in Africa. And it's interesting to talk to missionaries and those who've been on the mission field and hear how they celebrate and how they do weddings. We talked this past week on Wednesday night about the, the Venezuelan people and their wedding arrangements and their wedding ceremonies. But here's what Ivor Powell says about Africa. During my years in Africa, I was often amazed to find among the native people Weddings were an economic adventure. Well, that's true here, too. But he says this wines were bought. The price varied according to the status of the bride's family. But generally, the bridegroom, in order to obtain the consent of his in-laws to be, had to give. Are you ready for this? Ten cows for his bride. And not only those ten cows, but you'll like this. That fellow had to give an extra fat cow to his future mother-in-law. Now, my mother-in-law listens to these sermons, so I'm going to leave that alone and move on. But a baby boy was unwanted by his parents because they knew that when the time came, they'd have to help provide cows. To get a bride. But guess what? Baby girls were welcome with open arms. Why? Because if they lived one day when that day came through her marriage, she would enrich the family. Girls were often promised at birth and claimed later when they were old enough to wed. And he says to understand this situation is to appreciate the events connected with the marriage of Mary and Joseph. Well, we know how to do things in Africa, at least in Ivor Powell's time. But what was involved? In a Jewish wedding at this time. Well, basically, there were three steps involved in a Jewish marriage. First, there was the engagement. And the parents usually determined who a child was to marry, often at a very early age. Then there was the betrothal. In other words, at a determined time, the couple agreed or disagreed with the engagement. And if they followed through, listen, the betrothal was immediately binding. A legal divorce was therefore required to end it. And this betrothal period lasted one year. And when Joseph discovered that Mary was pregnant, they were already betrothed to one another. They were already bound in marriage one to another, even though, thirdly, the marriage, that is the ceremony and the consummation of that marriage had never taken place yet. They were bound together as husband and wife, even though it was only the betrothal period. So you can see, unlike the engagements in our country, where you can just change your mind and she slips off that ring and says, hey, fella, I found somebody better. I'm not interested in you anymore. Mary and Joseph were bound together as husband and wife, even though the ceremony officially, the wedding and consummation had never taken place. So no doubt this was a very, very special time, a very happy and exciting time for Mary. Many girls dream of their wedding day. 
Little girls like to think about their wedding day and they like to play dress up and pretend that they're the bride and Prince Charming is there. And that day was getting closer and closer as they were during this betrothal period this year. So we see Mary was promised. She was bound even as the wife of Joseph. But notice secondly this morning that Mary was pure. Go back to verse 18. It says this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph. Watch this next part before they came together. That is of the utmost importance, beloved. Mary was a virgin. If we turn to Luke chapter one, here's what we find beginning at verse 26. Luke chapter one, verse 26. It says these words. Luke 1, 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Verse 34. Note this. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Verse 35 says, and the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Verse 38 says, and Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary was a virgin. If you come back to our Matthew chapter one passage today and drop down to verse 25, it even says these words. That is, Joseph knew her not. To she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, I want you to understand today how important the virgin birth is. If Jesus had been the son of Joseph, if Jesus had been the son of any human man, then he could not be the son of God. And hear me well, beloved, if you deny the virgin birth, then you deny the deity of Jesus Christ. And you cannot, you're certainly not saved. Because if he is not God in the flesh, Emmanuel, then he cannot die for our sins and rise again. We see the virgin birth taught all the way back uh, to Genesis. Uh, if you turn back to Genesis chapter 3, we, we, we see talked about there at verse 15. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed. And you watch this next part. It says thy seed and her seed, not the man's seed, but her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel all the way back at the very beginning. We find it's mentioned there. Her seed. Uh, Jesus would be born of a virgin. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Let me read that verse for you. 
Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We find in the New Testament passage, Galatians chapter four, these words, Galatians chapter four, beginning at verse four, Galatians four, four. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Understand today, if you get nothing else, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. We understand the theological implications of that. If, if he was not born of a virgin, he could not be Jesus, the son of God. He could not be our savior. The virgin birth is of the utmost importance. But as I thought about this, what application can we draw from this today? Well, I think very blatant, very bold there is this. That is the importance of purity. Mary was pure. The teacher was checking her students' knowledge of, of well-known proverbs. And so she threw out this one. Cleanliness is next to what? She asked that question. <laughs> and a small boy replied with real feeling. Impossible. <laughs> Impossible. And perhaps in the day in which we live, we think the same thing. Because all around, we are afflicted. We are inundated with all kinds of images and lustful things. We can't ride down the highway. We can't check out at the grocery store. We can't do anything without being bombarded with that which is impure, that which would seek to have us lust. Maybe we think today cleanliness is next to impossible. Beloved, we forget as believers through Christ we can. I can do all things through Christ with strength of me. A father came home from work one evening and his little daughter, believe it or not, had been playing in the mud. And he saw her there and said, my, you're pretty dirty. And in her childish way, she replied, yes, I know, daddy, but I'm pretty or clean. And, you know, beloved, that's the same with us. We need to seek with the Lord's help to be clean and pure. We need to be a clean people. Mary was pure. She was sexually pure. It says she was a virgin. Says she had not known a man. She herself was surprised and wondering how was this going to take place because she had not known a man. How in the world could she then bring forth a son when she was sexually pure? And as we think about purity, what does the Bible teach? Well, we understand the Bible teaches that sex in its proper bounds is good. It's right. It's the right thing. God created it. And that bounds those bounds, of course, are marriage. Here's what the Bible says, Hebrews 13, 4. It says, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So we understand then that God created uh, sexual relations. Those are good inside the bounds of holy matrimony. But here's what God says about uh, that outside of marriage. First Thessalonians chapter four, beginning at verse three. Listen, you want to know what the will of God is? Some people say, what is the will of God for my life? Well, here's part of the will of God for your life. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. 
that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified. For listen, God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. And we need to seek to be pure with God's help, with the filling of the Holy Spirit, with staying in the word, accountability, take practical steps in these areas. But Mary was promised. She was pure. But notice finally today, Mary was pregnant. Go back to Matthew 1 again. Our verse of the hour, it says, now the birth, verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. How can this be? How can this be? Imagine a young girl gets pregnant. And you ask her who the father is. She says, I've never had sexual relations with a man. And this child was placed in my womb by God. How would you respond to that? (laughs) Be honest. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Get real. And rightly so. But Mary truthfully had never known a man. Her child was placed in her womb by the Holy Spirit. We saw that in that Luke passage. Can we get our arms around this? Can we understand this? Uh, uh, John MacArthur writing said this, he said, obviously, Jesus's conception by the Holy Spirit is a great mystery. Even had he wanted to do so, how could God have explained to us in terms we could comprehend how such a blending of the divine and human could have been accomplished? We could no more fathom, fathom such a thing that we can fathom God's creating the universe from nothing. His being one God in three persons or is giving an entirely new spiritual nature to those who trust in his son. We accept it by faith. And we look at this, beloved, we say, how wonderful. And it was and it is. But we forget the situation that put Mary in. We are in the day which we live well aware of the difficulties of an unwed mother. And of the challenges that they face. But realize this, Mary, here she is. She had done nothing wrong. But who would believe that? Who would believe her story? Imagine what other people were saying in this village. Imagine what would Joseph say, not to mention what the law said about this. And I'll tell you more about that as we continue studying uh, later on in the weeks to come. But this meant hardship for Mary, no doubt. Great hardship. But along with the hardship came what? Great, great honor. You go back to Luke one again. Here's what Mary said in verse 38. She said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary desired God's will for her life. And beloved, God's will, of course, included great hardship, but also great honor. What's interesting is to see in that Luke passage, if you turn there again, that Mary praised the Lord, beginning in verse 46. And I want to read that today. Let's look at that together. Luke chapter 1. Now imagine, put yourself in Mary's sandals. <laughs> you're a spouse, you're bound with your husband, you've never known a man, you're going to have a baby. Verse 46 of Luke 1 says this, and Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. 
and my spirit have rejoiced in God, my savior. For he had regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden for behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed for he that is mighty have done to me great things and holy is his name and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He had put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He had filled the hungry with good things and the rich he had sent empty away. He had hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. And we find here what glorious words that Mary had. You know, many have wrongly worshipped and magnified Mary. But as Lockyer said, Her worship, Mary's worship, was for her son, for her spirit rejoiced in him as her own savior. Hear me well, we do not worship Mary. We do not worship Mary today. But hey, we don't go to the opposite extreme either. We thank God for Mary. We thank God for her testimony. We thank God for her purity. As I read those words today, I thank God for her maturity. To write such words in praise and honor and adoration for God, her Savior. We do not worship Mary. We worship Mary's son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Phillips Brooks wrote, and you know the words, for Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. O morning stars together proclaim the holy birth and praises sing to God, the king and peace to men on earth. Can you imagine here is this young, innocent, pure Jewish girl named Mary waiting for that final day of her betrothal? Waiting to join her hand in his hand, Joseph's hand, and have their lives together. And yet in the midst of that, there's an interruption. Fear not, Mary. Thou hast found favor with God. You're going to carry in your womb the Messiah, the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. How can this be? I've never known a man. The Holy Spirit will place this child within your womb. Behold, Mary says, the handmaid of the Lord. May God's will be accomplished in my life. And months later, she would hold in her arms. Emmanuel. Perfect God, perfect man, joined in the flesh. Her savior, our savior, the Lord of glory, God with us. Emmanuel. Praises be to his name. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Have you received the gift that was given? The Lord Jesus. He came as a babe, but he grew to be a man. Perfect man. And one day he voluntarily laid down his life upon a Roman cross, shed his blood, died, was buried took upon himself the sin of the whole world, was laid in a borrowed tomb, and arose on the third day. And because he lives, 
friend, you can live as well. If you've never received the gift of eternal life, there's no greater gift you could ever receive at Christmas time than this. The forgiveness of sin. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Heaven as your home. Christ as your Savior. Perhaps today God the Holy Spirit is working in your life. You realize that need. Why don't you yield? Why don't you right now cry out for mercy and say, Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. Sorry for my sin. I don't want my sin any longer. I want the Savior. I want the Lord Jesus. Make me your child. Forgive me of my sin. And friend, if you mean that, as you cry out to him, he will save you. The Holy Spirit will indwell you and you will be a child of God. And I want to invite you today, if you've never done that, today's the day to receive the forgiveness of sin, to receive Christ as your Savior. I'm going to pray and in a moment. We're going to sing. And as we begin to sing, here's what I want you to do. If you need Christ today, don't be self-conscious. Don't be embarrassed. But just step out of that pew right where you are. Come down and say, preacher, I need to take Jesus today. Maybe you've already met him here in the pew, even as I just gave that sample prayer. Come share that. We want to rejoice with you. We love you. As you trust Christ today, angels in heaven will be rejoicing. The saints here in Red Hill will be rejoicing as we join with you in realizing that you have eternal life. You've been made our brother or sister in Christ. I'll invite you to come in just a moment. Let's pray in closing. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. From Mary and her testimony. And I pray now, Lord, that you'd work in this invitation time. Get glory to yourself in Jesus' name. Amen.